Hey, everybody. It is the Drive to School podcast. I'm Pastor Goodman, your host, and uh, my, my friend, Pastor Brad Meyer, is back. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Harrison. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we're we're fresh in the new year, um, and uh, yeah, we're we're kind of hitting that bitter cold part of January, but uh, I don't hate it yet, and uh, that's that that's where I'm happy. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because our winter has been so mild up here in North Dakota. We were in the 30s and 40s like every day until just the last couple of weeks. We finally have some snow that stuck around, and it's you know now it's below 32. It's staying. It's in the teens. It's it's like almost winter, actually. You know, usually it's like twenty below. So I'll take fifteen. That's all right. I can get down with it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So um, we were talking about uh, this morning what we should what, what what we should tackle today, and uh, you, you threw me one that's um, actually pretty interesting. Uh, there, there's this problem in the church where everybody in in leadership, you know, the, the elders, the council, uh, they are simultaneously really tired of doing it because they've been doing it for so long. And they, they, every time somebody joins the church, they just cannot wait for them to take an office so somebody else can step down. But they're also um, kind of territorial with how things are done. And so if you happen to be, I don't know, a youth or a young adult, I, uh, the place where you start to enter church leadership is, is tricky. How old do you have to be to be an elder? How do you, you know, approach this at all? What do you do if you're not being heard? How do, how do we tackle sort of young people getting involved with church leadership? Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to unpack here because one of, one of the things that you have to know, if you want to talk about something like being an elder, it's, you know, every church has a different set of bylaws in their constitution. And I know it's everybody's absolute most favorite thing to read is the church constitution. But if you want to know what the qualifications are at your church, that's the place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's good to be familiar with that stuff. What, what kind of people are we looking for for elders? You know, what kind of people are we looking for to be on the education board? What does it mean to have a leadership position? Uh, you know, there's this, um, this is not, this is completely secular, right? There's this uh, leadership guy that I like to listen to his podcast once in a while um, named Jocko Wilnick. And okay. uh, if you've heard of him, he's kind of a mm-hmm. big deal in the, the leadership and self-help sort of stuff. But anyways, he likes to talk about how you lead up or you lead down. And there's something about that that I like, you know, that whatever station you're in by God, you have responsibilities that go up above you and down below you. And you have to take care of them and you have to do what's right there, even if it's not necessarily rewarded. And Mm -hmm. so I think the first thing to say is you don't have to have an official title in the church to do something meaningful in the life of the church. You know, you can just take it on yourself to make sure the sidewalk is shoveled. And I know that sounds boring and stupid. But if you live in North Dakota and the sidewalk is covered in a foot of snow, guess who's not getting to church? That's going to be Grandma Gladys, right? She's not getting through that. Yeah. And so if you pick up a shovel and get the snow out of the way, you've done a good thing. Even if nobody sees it or appreciates it, you're still doing something leading in your church by setting a good example for other Christians of service. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so like the title itself is not the, the permission to do the thing in the church, right? Like, you know, if, if, if uh, some church happens to have like a greeting committee, that doesn't actually forbid you from saying hi to somebody else in church. And maybe maybe that's actually kind of a cool thing to do to, to say hi to somebody who's new in church. Well, I don't know. I mean, we are we are Lutherans here. Are we it's, allowed to say that? Easy, people take in the it church? easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I mean, mean that's where those right, jokes come from, though. Um, that that's actually where those jokes come from. Where we're standoffish, and it's it's usually actually just because we sort of like order. And so, like, if it's not my job, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But like, also, man, just 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 go say hi. <laughs> well, you know, I, if I were to think about okay, so if I, I'm I'm in I'm not I'm not forty yet. I'm thirty seven. So I'm just out of that, you know, young adult demographic now because I think they cut that off at 35, don't they, or mm-hmm. thereabouts? 
I don't know. Okay. These things change all the time, but I'm going to sure, say I'm yeah. out of it. Finally, I'm finally a grown up. <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, for, for most of the last 10 years, I've been a pastor. And so being a pastor is kind of different because you show up and you have a job and you fit into a place and your role is pretty defined. You know, you get up mm-hmm. and you give sermons and you administer communion and you baptize people and so on and so forth. Um, but what I've encouraged younger people my age and younger in the church to do is, you know, the first thing is if you have something you're interested in, just show up and volunteer. Ask what you can do to help. That's a great place to start. The danger with that is, is you will run into people who will say, oh, thank you. We're so glad that you volunteered. We just don't know what to do with you. And then you kind of spin out. And that's really disheartening for people. You know, that's, that's a hard thing is that you want to help with something. You want to help the property board. You're, you think it would be great to paint this room and you're volunteering to do it. Well, I don't know if we have money and we have to pick out paint colors and, you know, it, it, just, it just kind of fizzles. So um, another thing that I think is important is besides just making your interests known in the church, is to um, let your pastor and if you have like a nominating committee or your congregational president or just people in kind of leadership positions know that you have an interest or an aptitude toward a particular sort of service in the church. So like, for example, if you're 22 years old and you just finished college and you have a degree in accounting and you think it would be a great way to use your abilities and your gifts to serve your church by being the bookkeeper, that's something that your church would likely probably want to know about. Because maybe that 80-year-old lady that's been doing it since before the dawn of time is ready to quit because it's a lot of work. And it'd be nice if we moved the books off paper into, you know, um, Microsoft money or whatever, right? get, get them up into the 20th century at least. Um, you know, so there's that kind of stuff. And because sometimes we don't ask people to help just because we don't know that they're good at something or that they have an interest in something. And it's right. not arrogance to let people know that, hey, I'm interested in this. I want to help with this. I'm good at this. You know, that's not, that's not um, um, arrogant to do that. It's just an observation of fact, right? 100%. And so as you kind of get to introduce yourself there, then um, you get to recognize too that the church has these processes and there might be a voters meeting, all this stuff. And like, I've got to be honest with you, sort of coming up in uh, outside of the church and then being introduced to it, it seemed horribly, horribly inefficient. Um, it like, really is. Help me, help me not hate the voters meetings, um, if that's possible. <laughs> you know, here, here's something. We're Americans, which means we just have this antipathy towards structure. Um, mm-hmm. We don't like hierarchies. They make us absolutely crazy. And uh, I am a child of my generation. Bureaucracy, um, unnecessary meetings drive me nuts. And I've come to realize as I've been a pastor for the last several years now that you know, we have these meetings. Sometimes we have meetings for the sake of meetings because sometimes people get on boards because they just like the social aspect. They like that they have a thing to do every month and a group of people that are kind of forced to hang out with them, which, you know, I've come to realize that's actually a beneficial thing for some people who are lonely. Mm-hmm. And so that might be their only outlet. Maybe they are home all the time and they don't really have any friends. I don't know. Um, but the other thing is, is that um, we can always be more efficient at that stuff. But the reason that we have voters meetings and the like is because the church is an organic thing. It's a whole. And, um, you know, in secular world, right, we just have somebody at the top of the pile who gets to cram down decisions on the rest of us. If I were, you know, not working here, I was local, working at the local manufacturing plant, you know, I probably wouldn't be the boss at the top of the pile. I'd be somewhere toward the bottom. And when I get told to make widgets and put them into boxes, I don't get a say in that. I just have to do it. But the problem is in the church is all of the parts of the body are equally valuable. They have differences, of course, but we care about all of them. And so all of them get an opportunity to weigh in on stuff as annoying and cumbersome as that can be. We want people to have input if they want to have input. Hence Mm -hmm. the existence of things like voters meetings. 
So, so it, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and maybe that's actually the, the pr- place to put it. Um, it. It is not the church service. It is not the church. It is not the thing that forgives your sins. It, it is, though, one of those things that supports it in a way that nobody really likes, but but is is kind of necessary just when you have people who have different opinions, different backgrounds that are that are coming together. Um, to get to look at it as as I don't know if I would call it an evil, but just sort of a necessary thing to endure. Then okay, we'll, we'll endure that. But it's then you get to look beyond it. Um, you get to to look beyond the voters' meeting, beyond all the bureaucracy in the church, and say like, are there things that are actually helped? Are, are there people whose lives are actually made better by the things that that are tackled through these these bureaucracies? Well, and, and here's the thing too: in our local congregations, sometimes we overly structure ourselves to a point where the structure becomes stifling, and I, I think that's something that that a church should be looking at and examining. Because when it comes to what we have freedom to deal with as Christians, right, we're, we're not talking about reading the Bible on Sundays and having a sermon in the Lord's Supper and using the hymnal. Like those are things we just do. Mm-hmm. And a good pastor doesn't fiddle with that. You know, he, he shouldn't fiddle with that. In fact, it's not really his to fiddle with at all. He should just leave that alone. But all this other stuff, like how many ushers do we have? Do we even have ushers? Do we have official greeters or do we just have a couple people? You know, like I've been part of churches up here in rural areas where there's just kind of the guy or the lady that's the the greeter and they make it a point just to go welcome everybody. No, they've never been given the job. They just do it, right? Mm. Um, Do you have a property board? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you have trustees. Do they fix stuff? Sure. Sometimes people just show up and fix stuff too. And so, um, you know, this gets to be really interesting because sometimes that structure gets so stifling, people feel like they need to have official permission to do things. And the first thing I want people to realize, no matter your age or your station, if you see something that needs to be done in the church that you feel strongly about getting done, sometimes it's better just to go do it and then ask for forgiveness afterwards. You know, if it's a big thing where it's going to be like you're going to re-carpet the whole church— you're probably going to want to talk about the whole church with that, right? You're going to want to talk to everybody. If it's a little thing like, oh, I noticed that the handrail was broken and it would take me four minutes to put a new one on because I'm a carpenter and I'm good at that, just go do it. You know, just get, just take care of it. Let the pastor know, let the chairman know, and they're going to say, hey, cool, good for you. Thank you for doing that. It was wonderful. Um, and then the other thing I think that's important to remember too is that uh, things don't always work out how we want, right? Getting these positions, these these um, jobs, if you will, um, uh, in the congregation. Sometimes we want to be in positions of leadership because we want the title and the supposed, you know, accoutrements and accolades that go with that. And let me tell you, in most of our churches, we're not that big where there's anything special that comes with being an elected position at all. Um, and so I think we have to be careful that we're not seeking out positions of authority for our own sake to pat our own ego, um, to make it about us. Because if you find yourself in a position of authority, you know, you're put there for the sake of serving, shepherding, and guiding and helping those people who are under you. It's not for your own sake, right? You don't, you don't, I'm not a pastor so that I can be the really cool guy here in Oaks, North Dakota. I'm a pastor for the sake of serving my parishioners with the word of God as I have been given and called to do. Um, right. And then the other thing too is, is, you know, just to reiterate, you don't have to have a title to do stuff. Um, you know, if you see something needs to be done, if you think the church isn't very good at welcoming people, do it. If you wish your church had more social activities, call up your pastor and say, Pastor, I want to organize a game night. And I bet you your pastor would say, great, here's who you should talk to about that. But you have my blessing. Go knock yourself out. That would be wonderful. And uh, you don't have to have these kinds of official things to get things done. And I think that's really one of the joys of being a Christian. You have freedom in Christ to do things. 
And everything that's not the word of God and the sacraments is on the table. We can negotiate that. We can work through that. We can try stuff. If it doesn't work, okay, let's try something else. And there's no loss if we don't change that. And which I guess brings us to the last point I want to make, um, which is what do you do when people just don't want to do anything different? And especially in our rural congregations, you know, that's, that's a, that's a problem that we have. Cause you know, I don't know if you, if you're not from a rural church, maybe you don't get this, but if you haven't noticed the rural areas in our country are emptying out and they're graying and um, our biggest export is our children. We have high school graduations and 75% of them disappear and never come back. Right. They move to wherever. And we see it in the churches. And so people sometimes when they see things like that and see that decline, they get scared that if they uh, change something, they're going to exacerbate the problem. They're going to make it worse. The decline is going to happen faster when usually some to somewhat the decline is based on the fact that we're just unwilling to adapt to the present circumstances. And so I think just understand that usually that comes from a place of fear that people are afraid that if they pull at the strings, things are going to come unraveled. And so I found in the church that people are very comforted to know that, you know, we come to church, we open up our LSBs, we do the services out of there as they are written, we follow the lectionary, um, you know, the pastor is going to preach a sermon on the readings for the day. That stuff doesn't change. Our confession of faith doesn't change. That stuff is all standard. And so when people are secure in the important stuff, that does give them permission to start thinking about trying um, other things in other ways. And again, if you're not on the official, you know, stewardship uh, outreach and fellowship committee or whatever, you don't have to be to have a game night with your friends at the church or to, you know, hang out with people or just to say hi to the new person or to slide up next to somebody who looks confused that you've not noticed before who can't navigate the hymnal and help them figure it out. You don't have to have permission to do that. You're free in Christ to do these things if you think they're good. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of in the weeds, but it's also really, really important because I mean, what we're talking about here is day-to-day church life and, and you know, this, this is part of it. So um, thank you for kind of diving into this. I know it's sort of a monstrous thing to untackle or to unpack if you're sort of standing on the outside looking in and wondering what it is that you can do because you, you love your church, you, you love your Lord. And, and so this is sort of the ins and outs of it. Pastor Bradmeyer, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one.